Welcome back to the Creative Studio. My name is Joshua Rivers. I am your host, and I am excited to continue this podcasting journey as we go through how to podcast in uh, semester number three. This is session number nine, and we're going to be continuing our thought on our podcasting workflow. Today, we're going to be talking about recording. Last week, we talked about preparation. Next week, we will be talking about post-production. But when it comes to recording, I have an interview with Bill Conrad, and he has several different podcasts, and he is doing a lot of different things to try to experiment and things like that. And so he's done several different recording um, environments. And so I talked to him for a little bit about that, and we talk about a whole bunch of other things. And so the conversation went in several different directions. And so a lot of it was... Uh, um, was very good. There was some things I had to cut out because we went so, down some pretty deep rabbit trails that didn't pertain to what we were talking about. And some of that actually clipped onto the end of this episode. And so uh, you can be able to listen to some of those things. <clears throat> but uh, it, it was really good to be able to talk to him, be able to get his insight about those different things. And um, I'm actually going to kind of flip it around in this episode. Uh, in previous episodes, I have gone through and um, shared my part first and then went to the interview. In this one, I'm going to uh, try to flip that around. So we're going to jump into the interview here in just a second. And then after the interview, I'm going to come back and share a few tips that I have when it comes to your recording. And so some things that you can do while you're recording to improve what you're doing um, in your podcast and hopefully improve the quality of the output and hopefully even reduce the amount of post-production that needs to be done as well. And so going to share just a couple things there, just a couple simple tips. And so, but with that, we're going to go ahead and jump right into the interview with Bill Conrad. All right, welcome to the show today, Bill. How are you doing? Josh, it's uh, wonderful to be on your show. It's a thrill. Yeah. yeah, definitely glad to be able to talk to you. And so um, I, I was glad to be able to be featured on one of your podcasts a little while back. Episode 41. It sounds great. Yeah, episode 41 of the Timelines of Success. And so I'll go ahead and put a link in the show notes for anyone that may want to do that. And so we are able to kind of talk through some of the different things that I do and kind of the journey uh, a little while back. And so things have uh, kind of changed and taken some different directions, which I've talked about on the podcast before. Um, but I definitely appreciate the time that I was able to spend with you back then. Uh, now to be able to bring you on uh, because you were um, kind of a newbie back then. Um, in the podcasting space, really trying to test a lot of things out. Um, and so when you jumped in, you jumped in um, both feet, hands, head, everything, just kind of dunking in and uh, doing a whole bunch of different things, just trying to test things out and getting uh, testing your, your uh, testing out in WordPress. And so uh, doing a lot of really cool things. Um, and so I just wanted to touch base with you today and be able to uh, have you kind of share your journey, your experience, some of the things you learned. And and so we're going to kind of go in a, a couple different directions, I think, here um, throughout the uh, time that we have. But why don't you just go ahead and start by kind of telling how you got into podcasting to start with. Well, when I came back, I came back from uh, deployment to Afghanistan in December 7th, 2012. 
I took two months off and just watched YouTube <laughs> and I discovered podcasting. But that my journey really starts back when I was in special forces school in 2000, excuse me, in 1982. And I was a young lieutenant in special forces school at Fort Bragg. And I started leading, listening to uh, Earl Nightingale on little uh, CD tapes. And I just loved it. I had his like monthly uh, show I subscribed to and I get a tape in the mail. So that really, that was a forerunner of the uh, modern day podcast. And I'll tell you what, when I discovered podcasts, I fell in love with podcasts. I just listening to them. I could listen to them while I'm cutting the lawn or doing other things, driving, uh, doing those things, washing the dishes and the or, or just cleaning up. It's just so nice to have that access. And uh, that's sort of how I got really inundated and really discovered them and loved, loved the concept of podcasting. That's awesome. And so uh, can you let us know what podcast it is that you have? I know you have a few. You know, I've experimented with a lot of different things. And I started out right away. My wife has a real estate brokerage in both Nevada and California. And it's really tough. Um, I've always helped her in the backside. Um, I was a reservist, so I was activated many times. But when I come back, I'd always work out something to make her business better. So um, I started looking at things to help with real estate, which I really haven't put time into. I do. I was active in politics before the war, so I started something called politicsofsuccess.com, which I really like that show. And I interview consultants and some uh, former uh, elected officials about the process of politics and a little bit more about getting elected and what it takes. And then my big show is timelinesofsuccess.com. And I did 60 interviews in a row thinking, man, I'll get really good. And I sort of leveled off, I think. And, but I learned and I started and got it going. Now I'm up to about 104 and I'm pushing them out. But I love interviewing people. It's a lot of fun and you get better. You improve slowly. It takes time. You don't get good really fast, but you just work at it. So I always say inch by inch, it's a cinch. Yeah, very good. Um, let's go back to that 60, 60 episodes in 60 days. Um, what was your inspiration for pursuing um, that much that fast? Well, I'm not sure, but I'd have to say I was a lieutenant colonel as a reservist. I put a lot of time, a lot of deployments, a lot of uh, work over uh, 30 years. I was active in the reserve. And John Lee Dumas, you've heard John, he started a show about the same time. In fact, he started school after I got into podcasting. And I had uh, started listening to him on the side, enjoying him. I could understand what he was talking about because of the military connection. And mm -hmm. I said, if he can do a daily show, I can. And I started uh, knocking out, just proving to myself I could do a daily show. But that said, there's so much more than just doing a daily show if you want to take podcasting to the next level. And, and the hardest thing to me was creating a really great platform or that WordPress platform in my case. That mm -hmm. is what really is the art of pulling everything together. It's this new media. So that let me into where I am today. I started a new site called New Media Gold. And what we're doing is really looking at the platform, how to make the platform better. And what I love is uh, Creative Studios is using the Genesis framework, which I think is by far the best way to uh, develop your WordPress site is on Genesis. Yeah, I would, I would agree. I really enjoy um, the themes. We were talking about that before. And the majority of the themes that um, that I'm looking for, I can find in Genesis. And so uh, they have a wide variety of different types of themes and layouts and um, a lot of different features that make it easy to be able to add different things in. And so uh, it's really good and it, and it works really well. 
It's fast. The code is mm -hmm. streaming. Back again to the podcasting every day. How did you approach that? Did you do that by doing a lot of bulk interviews and then just scheduling them? Or, or how did your process go with that? First of all, I love interviewing people and the interview. That's the fun part. The hard part is editing and getting great sound and, of course, building your website and your platform. But you don't have to have a complex website. You can just do a simple blog, post them up there, and get going. I definitely would – I take two days of the week, and I would block off time to do the interviews. I try to do them all in those two days. Plus, I started something simultaneous to that, which really took a lot of time. It's called field interviews. I did a lot of field interviews, and this worked out pretty well. I had a little inexpensive mixer two ATR2100s. I go out in the field with a little $80 camera, uh, 930, and I do interviews, uh, both streaming, and then I record it back on the RL5 through my mixer. Uh, and for key people, I interviewed Congress members. Some key, uh, I interviewed all the key mayoral races in Nevada. Yeah, in, not Nevada, but in Reno. And that took a lot of time, though. By the time you go set up, get everything right, and every once in a while, your sound would be a little off. That was hard, but that's what took a lot of time. Uh, doing the the sixty, doing the recordings did not take a lot of time. I mean, you could do two or three recordings on a Saturday morning or Saturday afternoon, or a couple in the evening. It's easy to do recordings, I find. And I used a tool called uh, Schedule Once, which I don't use anymore. I've gone to another called um, Visita, and Visita um, Schedule Once has its benefits, and Visita has its benefits. But Visita was a little less expensive. And it um, has actually more potential, I think, in the long run. And I can do unlimited links. So you need a scheduling software and system, that's for sure. By the way, of all of those podcasts, I've done about 120 interviews. I've only had one person be no-show. Hmm. I thought that's pretty good. Have you had any problems with people not showing up on interviews? Mm, I, I don't know if I've had any not-shows. I've had some that had to cancel last minute. But I think they've all, at least for the, I, think I may have had one or two. I can't remember now. I'm trying to think if I've had any cancellations. I've had cancellations, but they're well in advance. But for the day of the interview, I've only had um, like one no-show. And actually, I filled it in with someone else and still did another interview. But one thing I would say is if you're going to podcast, and I learned this early on, it really helped. Um, I belong I, I belong to the school of podcasting, which you do too still, right? You're on the oh, yes. side. It's I, I use that sort of my the mastermind mentors. One thing I did I think really helped is I started interviewing other podcasters. And I think that's the way you start. Is you just start, hey, can I interview you 10, 15 minutes? Because that's where you get good when you talk to other people doing the same thing. Yeah, and I, I remember back in the day, you were having, uh, you probably posted at least one question a day um, for a little while asking about different things about podcasting and your setup and WordPress. And, uh, and so it was really cool to really see how eager you were to, jump in and uh, get going with it. It was, a, it was a big encouragement, I think, to uh, myself and probably others as well in the group. Wow. That's, I didn't think of it that way. In fact, when I look at it, I wish I could contribute more back to the group. I try to contribute more now back to the group. Like for every question I might ask, I help four other people out. Yeah. I, I think that, that was the thing, though. You were able to ask the question that others were thinking of um, and then you were able to draw out the answers from those that have had experience or, and then sometimes debates would come out and say, here, well, here's this and well, here's this other one. And, and so, I mean, I think it was a really good learning experience and really enriched the, uh, the community there. Um, and so like, like Dave says, he says, um, uh, I mean, he, he promotes the community aspect of the school of podcasting. So, I mean, there's the, um, education that, 
that's there, but he says to stay for the community. And so it's very, definitely a very cool community to be a part of. And so, um, so anyway, uh, when you were doing those field reports and you were, you said that you were live streaming, what did you do and how did you approach that live streaming aspect? What did you use for it? I started the Landis Casino, which is the nicest casino in Reno, Nevada. And we have a lot of big events there. And this one group came to me. I, I got two stories. This one group came to me and they asked me about the possibilities of just recording their events, just recording on a cheap recorder. And I did that on like on a camera. It mm-hmm. wasn't that great. And then one day I took my 930 and my laptop and I did a Google Plus Hangout and streamed it. And it came out great. What I did is I have a little mixer, hook my mixer into the main mixer for the big uh, speaking event. And there's, there might be 100, 200 people in these rooms. I just hook into theirs. I put my camera up close. Now I'm getting the uh, person speaking or people speaking at the live conference. It's going live onto their website using Google Plus Hangout. It's being recorded onto YouTube, and it's just a wonderful thing. And then another thing I could do is I could stick my little mixer. I have an RL5, which I wish I had a Zoom now, but I have an RL5, and I can get really good sound for a podcast off that RL5. Though, I found, because I've had pretty good quality sound, it's an asymmetric system over there. It's three up, three down. I get great sound off the YouTube. So it's pretty simple. Um, if you go to my site, New Media, if you go to New Media Gold under examples, if you go down through those examples, you'll see me interviewing a congressman and that um, that was a neat site I, interv- I i we basically interviewed him live doing his presentation to the group and then afterward i set up a one-on-one interview with him on the table in this casino just using my um field stuff and it came out nice that said though it does take more work to do that and i still um do one show a month where i go out and do live but it takes me you know a good six, seven hours by the time I set up, tear down, go out and do all those things. That's a big chunk of chain, time. Yeah, it is. And so, but it sounds like it can be a really good benefit. So, I mean, long-term, I mean, maybe it, uh, I, mean, I guess it's worth it to be able to get, get some of those key interviews. I'm going to create a little module. I'm uh, in new media gold because I would like to do more podcasting and more of this work. You have to monetize. So I'm going to try to create a little module that teaches how to do that step-by-step. A real simple field. And what gets me is, and I ask, I just did an interview the other day of, oh, my cousin. I, it's going to go up on um, Saturday. And my cousin, um, Matthew Weathers, is a professor down at Biola in Southern California. He's an adjunct, but he works in their online development of online school training and education. He just got a uh, YouTube video that went to 10 million in five days. It's at 11 million now. Mm-hmm put up April 2nd, but I interviewed him and we went through, um, some processes of, you know, how he got the 10 million and this and that, but he didn't know much about podcasting. But now I noticed when he interviewed people like that, who have all these downloads and you start doing different things and you talk and it just like grows. So there's so you know, so much you can do with this medium and so many different things and connections. And I, uh, sent that out to my cousins who have a big family. We have a big family. He's a second cousin. But uh, I don't know. We, I sort of drifted away there. But specifically um, on podcasting, it's just a great medium. And uh, new media, this world is changing so fast. So tell me what you think about podcasting. What do you like most about it? There's a, there's a lot of things. I mean, I've been podcasting for over two years now. I've been hooked. And so I started with one podcast and um, up to three 
different podcasts now. And I, I, I used to be afraid of speaking into a microphone. And so that was always uh, a fear of mine, but I'm definitely getting a lot more comfortable with it. I still have my stumbles and stutters and things like that. But, uh, but, but for the most part, I'm comfortable now with being able to do that. I think it's a really cool way to be able to communicate with people because it's not just reading, uh, which I, I love to write, too, and be able to communicate that way. But there's something about audio that um, really helps to bring the, the tone of what you're saying. And so one thing my mom used to always say with um, uh, say to me whenever I was growing up is it's not what I said. It's how I said it. Oh, um, yes, very much so. And so, and so, because I would, I would say something and, um, I, 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 maybe I was like trying to express that I was grateful and excited for something, but my tone didn't reflect that. Um, even though I felt it internally, I, I, I just never was really expressive growing up, uh, so much. And so I could be super excited, but I could be completely stoic on the outside. Um, and so my mom would always say, well, it's not what you said, it's how you said it. And so I think it's the same way when it comes to podcasting is that the blog, you can be able to have what you say. Um, but again, it's not just what you say, it's how you say it. So with audio, you can be able to project that, that emotion and the excitement. And, uh, again, just how you say it, uh, can make a difference in what you're, what you're reading. And so um, I really love that aspect of it, that you can be able to do that. And then uh, just the community that is around podcasting. Um, I've been part of a lot of groups and uh, pretty much everyone is really willing to um, help and answer questions. And um, there's just a lot of involvement back and forth. And so and there doesn't seem to be anyone shy of wanting to help. Um and so, I mean, the, probably the only limitation as far as wanting to help is just the time aspect of the person you're asking. Um, but I mean, the, but I mean, it's not like they're they're afraid of sharing their secret sauce or whatever. I mean, they they'll share their stuff, and they're they don't usually have a problem with that. And so, I really love that community. That's true. So. I mean, it's all online. You know, Dave had Dave had a show a few weeks back, and he was talking about I forgot who he was quoting. It was. Uh, Oh, it was a monetization podcast. I should know the name. I could look it up. But the bottom line is, with this business, you can have uh, three things. You can have um, speed, quality, and um, what is it? And money. That's another way to say it. I'm not quoting exactly right. But if you want to get up and running fast, it's going to cost you some money. And it's going to mm -hmm. cost you some people helping you out. And that's a good segue to talk about what I'm doing now. Uh, what I've done is... I sort of take that army model. You have to learn all the basic soldier skills. But then as an officer, you have to actually manage, lead. Actually, it's more important about leading. But you have to trust your people to do those things. So what I'm doing now is I'm trying to um, – I just started – I have two companies. And I'm going to start a third company where I'm bringing some people together on a limited partnership at LLC. And I've got – and I've already bought a lot of the systems and equipment processes but I want them to focus in at really be creating the best possible website processes and systems. I want to create focus more in on the content development and learning how to do really great webinars as well as creating some great education. Linda is one of my favorite shows. And then mm -hmm. finally, um, because of my podcast, this should be on Dave's show, 
<laughs> I had some pretty high-end uh, code people, coders here in Reno, come to me and talk to me about setting up a podcast for them and running it. And it also led it to a Google Hangout. We literally interviewed, and, and it started out by them interviewing the meetup groups around the United States and then bring them together on a uh, Google Hangout. And I, I run all the backside, all the systems, all the processes, but I'm on there with them. And these people are like way, way above me in skill sets and coding and all that sort of thing. But some of it rubs off because I'm around those folks. So because I knew how to podcast and they didn't, they sort of got me to put their system and process together. Now, we don't charge anything for doing that. It's a freebie, but it's the relationships I've built from those uh, podcasts, from podcast and Google Plus Hangouts. If you go to WP Tonic, which I didn't design that webpage, and to me, I got to watch what I say. It's, it's, um, it, they need to update that webpage, and these are coders. But mm -hmm. uh, WP, WP-tonic.com, and you go to podcasting and Google Plus Hangouts, you'll see all the stuff that we're doing there. And we've really done some fascinating stuff, interviewed some amazing people. Morton from Linda. Uh, Linda is one of my favorite places that's an it's a educational training system. But Morton for Linda, which is one of their top WordPress trainers, it comes on our show regularly on the Hangout. So it's just fun to have access to those folks and listen to their little bits and pieces. Every once in a while, we'll do an interview, and they're so far above in technical aspects that I said, wow, this is like in the uh, Bank of America putting together a website fear, <laughs> way above where you need to be for a podcaster. But anyway, that's, that's some of the things that I've got out of podcasting, uh, especially those connections and what you were just talking about, the people you meet. What's over the horizon? What, I, I remember interviewing you, and you're still working right now, which I think, by the way, everyone out there, don't quit your day job and think you're going to get wealthy podcasting because you're probably not. You've got to do it for the passion and the love of it. But good things will come from that podcast, and a little bit of money will come too mm -hmm. if you set it up right. Yes, yeah. So, I mean, it, yeah, it's definitely a, a slow process. I mean, there's some um, exceptions um, to the rule, you could say. And so, um, but yeah, I mean, it, it is definitely a process. It's definitely something you can't expect to start up and then right away you're going to be making a bunch of money. And so, I mean, like, I mean, John Lee Dumas is held up as a, as like one of the standards for uh, podcast monetization. But I mean, it took him nine months before he even made anything. Um, and then, I mean, but I mean, he had a, a lot of great systems in place and he had a big financial runway before he started doing that. And he was doing it full time. Um, I'm not sure what his schedule is like now, but I remember, um, let's see, what was it? It was about a year and a half ago. I, and I interviewed him and he was working 70 hours a week on doing his podcast related, related things. So it, it wasn't a a quick, easy process. And so, I mean, that was a year after he started um, his podcast. So after a year, um, he was still having to work 70 hours a week to be able to maintain and try to move forward. So, you know, plus, plus, I'm sure that, and in fact, if you listen to him, he contracted out a lot of his work, especially his website. Yeah. And he had mentors. He spent a lot of money uh, having the best mentors. Uh, Jamie Tardy, was one of his mentors, and then he went on to House, I think, from the School of Greatness, which for like six months. So he got the very best people at the time in the industry and learned everything he could from them. So he really, that's an example of spending the money, delegating out, and then creating a, um, 
organization. Mm-hmm. Now, that can be risky, too, because you're investing a lot of money and there's no guarantee you're going to get it back. So mm-hmm. my, my philosophy is you go and learn the basics first yourself. Don't try to be an expert. Don't try to monetize. Play with it for a year. Then decide, is there a way that I can apply this to a business model to make some money or to my real estate company or to my business? Whatever it might be. It's really marketing. Plus, there's so much more podcasting just leads you into other things. Netcasting, face-to-face relationships. Uh, if you like to write, there's opportunity to write more. It's just it's new media. This didn't exist five, ten years ago. In fact, 2004 is when the word podcasting was coined by Apple. Let's go ahead and wrap it up. Why don't you go ahead and let everybody know, again, the best way that they can be able to get a hold of you. The, the best way to get me is um, go to our website, newmediagold.com. And that's really my informational website where I'm dropping all my links and contacts. My uh, email right now, which I'll have for a long time, is I'm, I'm changing this too. It was my initial approach was I was going to do a show called Bluff Bottom Line Up Front. So it's Bill, B I L L, at B L U F for bottom line up front dot TV. And then finally, um, timeline of success. You can, you can Google that, Google New Media Gold, the politics of success, and WP Tonic are the ones I'm associated with. And I've got a new one that I'm, I'm, I'm testing out with a person right now. The other, sh- other show too is, she coined this word. It's permapaleo.com, permapaleo.com. And that's uh, Debbie Hart uh, Serafin. It was Debbie Hart when I knew her in the State Department. I worked with her overseas. I was in the military, military liaison. And um, I helped her get a podcast up. And the permapaleo is something we both believe in. Perma is sustainable processes. And paleo is how you eat the lifestyle. So it's a way of living. And it's sort of like we learned in third world countries. Hmm. So I just started a podcast with her. want to hand that off to her and let her develop it herself. She's very capable. She's a communications uh, director in the State Department overseas. Uh, I worked with her. Yeah, just she's amazing. So that's a lot. I uh, give you a lot of contact information. And I really feel privileged to be on Creative Studio and, and to be on your show. It's uh, very much a privilege. So here's 15 tips for better recording. Number one, drink water. And so water is good. And so you want to drink, if possible, I mean, as much as you can stand it, uh, water that is close to room temperature. And so if you have water that's too cold, it can constrict your vocal cords and make it harder as you speak. And so, but drinking water also moistens your, your, your mouth and your lips and you'll be able to reduce the different mouth noises that you could be producing. And so you want to be able to watch that as well. Number two, use chapstick or lip balm. And so that's something that if you have a lot of additional smacking of your lips, you can be able to uh, reduce that by using the, the chapstick. Number three, you can breathe in through your nose. And so this may or may not be a normal practice, but a lot of times while you're speaking, you can end up breathing in through your mouth. When you do that, it actually does a couple things. It, um, excuse me. It, uh, dries your mouth a little bit in your throat as you do that a little bit more than normal. And then also it creates a louder noise than if you just breathe through your nose. And so also when you breathe in through your nose, 
your the air ends up picking up some moisture particles. I don't understand all the science behind it, but you breathe that in and it and it helps to be able to keep it a little moist from what I understand. Number two, you want to speak over your mic or speak across. You don't want to speak into the mic. And so depending on which angle your microphone is, I mean, some people have their microphone up. Some people have their microphone a little more down. So you might have heard a little extra noise from me moving the microphone. But but anyway, you want to speak across it or into it. And so sometimes you even might want to have it maybe just angled towards you a little bit. And so uh, that helps you to be able to do that. If you're speaking directly into the mic, that will increase the impact that the uh, the sound has on the microphone, and it can cause it to be able to peak out uh, when you're not intending it to. And so then also, uh, you can use a pop filter or a windscreen or both. And so right now, this black foam ball that goes over the microphone is the windscreen. Then there's also a pop filter, which is basically the circular thing. It could be either metal, uh, some places are uh, cloth. And so that uh, creates a, an extra barrier there that kind of breaks up the sound as it's going into the microphone and it reduces the pops and the, um, the plosives that would go into the microphone as you're speaking. And so you want to try to reduce those as much as possible. And those are some ways to be able to do that. Number six, you want to get close to the microphone. And so one reason for this is um, so that you can be able to adjust your microphone. And this actually goes with number seven, turn the gain only up as much as needed. So when you get close to the microphone, you can turn the gain up. If you're using a uh, mixer, that is, if you're not using a mixer, and you're just recording straight into your computer or something, then you don't necessarily have all that control. But you want to be able to do that. That way it picks up less of the room noise and there will be less chance of a hum or a hiss that gets introduced. And so you want to keep those low as much as possible. And then, but still, obviously you want to keep your volume level where it needs to be. And so, but that's a way that you could be able to produce a better quality of sound as you're doing that. Number eight, um, you want to have a room as much as possible with soft features. And so if you're um, seeing in the video, you can see that there are a lot of hard surfaces in the room that I'm at. And so one of the soft things is I do have carpet in this room. And so, but you want to have some soft things that can be able to help absorb the sound and it doesn't bounce it as round as much in the room. And so, and again, uh, if you get close to the microphone and you have the gain only up as much as you need, it can reduce some of that sound as well. And so number nine, you want to try to get children and pets away from your recording room. And so this is um, something that could be helpful because a lot of times as podcasters, we're podcasting in our house and we can't always do it when we're secluded, uh, when we're alone. And so there's a lot of times when I'm recording that my kids are here as well. And so when I get ready to record, I had to tell them and say, okay, I'm about to record. You need to make sure that you're quiet. And so a lot of times I'll have them stay in a different part of the house so that you, they are uh, less chance of making noise and interrupting. And so there's been a couple of times that they've interrupted, didn't realize I was still recording. And I'm like, yeah, I'm still recording. So, oh, anyway. And so uh, you want to try to do that and try to keep pets away too, because if you have a dog or a cat, they might uh, come up and distract and they might um, meow or bark or whatever depending on the pet that you have. And so so that's uh, one thing that you can do. Try to get them out. Try to uh, get yourself isolated if possible. And so the number 10 kind of goes uh, along with that. Gently instruct 
others uh, that they should try to be quiet uh, if possible. And so there's times when I'm telling my wife, yeah, I'm going to be doing an interview and she'll um, actually even try to take the kids out of the house if possible uh, so that it's easier to be able to keep them quieter and things like that. And so uh, she tries to work with me on that. And so I definitely appreciate that. That's something that you can be able to do. And so work with the people that uh, are in your family or uh, wherever it is that you're recording. Uh, that way you can be able to try to get the best environment possible. Uh, number 11 is you want to turn off your phone and notifications or at least turn your phone on vibrate. Um, if you have it on vibrate, don't put it on top of your computer desk. Uh, because if you do that and it vibrates, it's going to um, create that vibration. And you're going to be able to hear the sound. And so you don't want to do that. So you want to turn those off. And so one thing I actually have is just uh, simply a uh, washcloth and it sits on my desk and, and it's over on a different uh, desk. I have a L-shaped desk and so it's a different surface than what uh, I'm recording with. And so I put my phone on there. That way, if I do get something, I can be able to see what it is. Or if I'm using my phone for um, some of the sounds that I put into the recording, um, I need to have that there. And so... That way there's that padding between my phone and the desk to reduce the, the noise that is um, produced by that if something happens to go off. Number 12, uh, mute the computer sounds if possible. And so um, this is something I haven't always done. Um, and so I got a new computer and I haven't gone through and switched all my settings yet. And so, um, but I haven't had any dings or anything like that come through my computer yet uh, while recording, uh, but it is possible. Um, that while you're recording that you could hear a ding come through. And so right now, um, it probably wouldn't be able to get into the recording because um, I, I have the headphones on. And so any sound that, that my computer makes would go into the headphones instead of out into the open. But anyway, uh, that's something you want to consider at least. Number 13, have a microphone on a different surface than your computer. And so um, another option for that, though, is um, that may not always be an option is I have this boom arm um, that uh, it's a, a scissor boom arm that um, kind of takes it up away from the surface that it's on. Then I also have a shock mount, which um, helps to isolate the sound so that if you move the arm, um, it uh, eliminates or at least drastically reduces the sound that uh, can be transported. And so uh, if you have your laptop on the same surface that the boom arm is on, um, even if the the noise vibrates through the desk into the boom arm, it shouldn't make it into the mic. And so it'll at least be drastically reduced. So you want to be careful with that because the computer has spinning parts and it can create that extra noise. And then you want to, uh, number 14, this is sometimes difficult for people, but you want to get comfortable with silence. And so I have a difficulty with this myself. I have a lot of filler words I tend to use. And so I have to consciously make myself stop and be silent sometimes so that I can try to produce a better quality. And so there's several different things that this can be able to work with. For one, uh, I was doing an interview once uh, with uh, Daniel J. Lewis of the Audacity to Podcast. And uh, his episode was probably the easiest one I ever had to be able to edit because while we were recording, there was a time that we, uh, he was in the middle of a sentence and then his dog started the bark. So again, you want to try to get the animals out as much as possible. There was a dog that, that barked, uh, and he stopped 
waited for the dog to stop, left a space of a couple seconds, and then he started over again with the census that he was on. And that made it really easy to be able to find that spot and be able to get a clean cut out of out of that to be able to get that um, that that barking out. And so it makes it a lot easier to be able to do that. And so plus also, like I said, when you use a lot of filler words, that makes it difficult to be able to edit as well. And so you want to try to get um, get more comfortable with silence. And so if you have a long gap of silence, it's easy to be able to go in post-production and be able to cut that out. It's easier to be able to do that than it is to try to find all the ums and ahs and I uh, see the and so it, it's difficult to be able to get that kind of stuff out of the recording and so you, you want to be able to try to get more comfortable with silence and so it takes practice it takes time and so um, that's something you can be able to work on though and then number 15 make note of spots to make corrections and so if, while you're recording uh, you can you note that there's something that needs uh, correction that needs to be done especially if it's an interview um, if you're recording by yourself, then um, uh, it, it may not be quite as easy. You might get yourself just uh, distracted too much, but if possible, you can make a note of where corrections need to be made. And so you can either do this by on a sheet of paper or something like that, or scratch paper or whatever, just mark down the, uh, the timestamp where that is. And you can be able to come back later to be able to make that correction or uh, in some of the recording software um, in audacity, um, I know there's something and I believe in, um, Adobe audition that there is a thing where you can push a, a, a keystroke or combination of keys to be able to make a mark of, uh, of some sort in the recording so that when you're going back and editing, you can see where that is and you know that something needs to be done there. And so, and then to kind of go along with this, um, we're not talking a whole lot about post-production, but taking that spot there if you make note of those spots you want to start at the end of the recording and go backwards when you're trying to find those spots because if you were to go by the timestamps if you edit something out at the if you have like five different timestamps that you need to edit if you edit the first one and you take out a few seconds that's going to change the timestamps on all the other ones and so then you're going to be off and then you're going to be having to go around and search for whatever it is that you need to take out if you start at the end all the timestamps will still be accurate for you to be able to go and find those and be able to make that a little quicker as you go through and so that was a tip from daniel j lewis that i heard on one of his episodes and it uh, is definitely helpful to be able to do that so anyway, so those are 15 tips for better recording. Just real quick as a recap. Number one, drink water. Number two, use chapstick or lip balm. Number three, breathe in through your nose. Number four, speak over your mic, not into it. Number five, use a pop filter or a windscreen or even both. Number six, get close to the microphone. Number seven, turn up the gain only as much as needed. Number eight, room. Uh, you want to have a room with soft features if possible instead of hard features. Number nine, try to get children and pets away from your recording room. And then number 10, gently instruct them on being quieter. Number 11, turn your phone off and notifications off if possible. Uh, number 12, um, mute the computer sounds if possible. Number 13, have the microphone on a different service than a computer, or you can use a boom arm with a um, shock mount. Number 14, get comfortable with silence. And then number 15, make note of spots to be able to make corrections. 
and that can make it a lot easier then if you follow these things to be able to record better while you're recording and that should help you to be able to edit less later on so again if you want to get the uh the, the full episode to this you want to get the notes you can go to creativestudio.academy slash 3-9 for the entire episode and so also on the website there is the entire series that i'm doing here on how to podcast and we started from the beginning and we're going through a 12 uh, part series on how to podcast and you can be able to get that there nine of them up so far three more to come and so definitely good things to be able to help you be able to do that and there's some great interviews with different podcasters to be able to share their insights their experience their perspective to be able to help you be able to be well-rounded as a podcaster so anyway with that we're gonna go ahead and sign off you take care again creativestudio.academy can you can you hear my phone coming through my computer it just it just rang good i um hey first of all you said we'll talk about live streaming but before we talk about that one of the key rules, and I did this twice in a row this week, always turn off your cell phone. And my cell phone interacts like everywhere. And I don't get that many calls, but I'm getting more calls now. Um, so the phone just went off in my earphones while we're talking. I'm happy you didn't hear it on your side. Talk about live streaming. I'm not used to being interviewed, by the way. I haven't. Have you been interviewed very much? I, I have a couple times. Um, I can't say I've done it a lot, but I've done it a few times. What's the best way to go get to offer to be interviewed put something on your page um actually i haven't done it that way i've had people just come to me and ask um so i mean that that might be a good way um i mean if, if there's someone that you know um well enough i mean i mean if there's like like maybe someone in the school of podcasting group or something i mean if if you communicate with them enough you can you can say hey i had this idea if you'd be interested in letting me on your show or i i mean if it's someone you know it's a little easier to be able to have the ask but i i mean if it's someone you don't know that's a little harder so i i don't have a good way of being able to do that so i don't know you know i i saw that discussion on the school of podcasting at mastermind about like i saw that's where this came up how i got on your show someone said they received something said will you exchange interviews mm -hmm. and i've never asked to exchange interviews i just asked to interview people Mm -hmm. So I don't think there's anything wrong with reaching out to everybody who you want to interview and ask them to interview. You're not going to get them, whether it's a congressman or the mayor or you're um, a famous podcasting. I mean, I've only been turned down a few times, mm -hmm. and they've been really high-level speakers. And right. It's not been the individual. It's been their staff. Right. So I think it's okay. The, the other thing's kind of crazy, though, is trying to get on as a guest. And I think it's good to get on as a guest. You learn from that side, too. Right. I, I, uh, anyway. Interesting discussion. So 